0: Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the
1: alleys. <laughs> and That's in the games. alleys. He will whoop your
0: ass. <laughs> I'm looking better now than I did before. Run, it's names. all
1: your fault.
2: It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're
0: gonna to have to let me dress you, though.
1: Oh, 100. You that, That's gonna be Ron Duguay's third act.
0: Molly off the air. Wow. Molly off the air. A whole different
1: person. Yeah, up,
0: in the court
2: side I'll <laughs> up in the blue side, and I'll be up in the blue side. You know, Goody. You know, plays that kind of game. and gets around the net, and you know, it's not the first time he scored a big goal for us around the net. And,
3: When you feel good about your team You know you got your high-end guys that are playing pretty good hockey And you know you're going to get some good looks I haven't been in a shootout since
2: uh, maybe my junior days You practice that? Not really, no (laughs) I don't
1: expect to go too often, so I work on other things
0: Bucks against Quick
2: Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. You heard Coach Gallant, you heard Adam Fox in that montage, courtesy of the MSG Network, of course, after a Rangers shootout win on Monday against the Kings. Lots to do in this show. Larry Brooks will, of course, join us. Former Ranger Rupper, Mike Rupp of the NHL Network will join us. Him and Larry will get into the Henrik Lundqvist retirement on Friday. Good luck getting tickets, folks. It is a $400 ticket to sit up in the blue seats, but we're looking forward to that, and we'll get into that. As we welcome in our host of Up in the Blue Seats, that would be the queen of the post. She'll be in the building on Friday, Molly Walker. And our co-host, Rangers great
0: number 10, Ron DuGay. Well, thank you, Jake. And yes, we have a packed show today. I've gotten to know Mike over the last few years. Former New York Ranger, played in the NHL. But of course, now we know him as uh, being the man. Uh, well-spoken when it comes to hockey, Mike Rupp who works for the NHL, always enjoyed talking with him. And so a lot to talk with him about. And of course, Larry Brooks will be here today. Uh, We're going to discuss Henrik this whole week, all the uh, preparations and the level of excitement because many, many fans are looking forward to it. Yes, it's a difficult ticket to get right now to go at the Garden. But for me, I uh, I guess my mind's been elsewhere this past week because I lost a friend, a friend of the show, uh, a guy that I competed hard against in the NHL, a New York Islander. Of course, this is a Ranger show, but we talk about other players who have achieved a lot and he's gained a lot of respect. By many. And that's Clark Gillies. Clark Gillies will be uh, his funeral services will be this Saturday. We'll discuss a little bit about that. Larry got to know him very well as he covered the Islanders. But now uh, this past week, when you look at the Rangers, uh, they had to play these past three games. They played Carolina. That loss was a 6-3 loss. We saw some weakness in their game, but then they came back, played the Coyotes, beat them 7-3. And then a wonderful game against the L.A. Kings, which Jake, you went to that game. Where it ended up in the overtime and they end up winning 3 2. So, uh, Jake, welcome. And I, I, I love the fact that uh, you're very colorful as always. I know you just got back from Atlantic City. And Molly, welcome to you. So, Molly, I'm coming to you with what's it been like this whole week, uh, the uh, buildup to the Friday night game for? Henrik Lundqvist, what's that been like for you?
1: I mean, if you turn on NHL Network or, or honestly any sports TV station, you just see so many shows about his history and and milestones and and moments in his career just building up to this night. I mean, it's going to be absolutely magical, I'm sure. I know that the Rangers organization has put so much into it. The pregame ceremony starts at 6.30 with a puck drop of eight. So I think that should kind of give an indication of, of how much effort Uh, was put into this production and and into this special night. So I think that it's obviously very well-deserved, and I think it'll be a really special moment for everybody in the garden on Friday.
0: A lot of talk about Chris Kreider now, possibly being the next captain, and that's a question I'm going to ask Larry. And I'm not sure when you think about putting a C on a guy will really make a difference, because sometimes you put a C on a player, and it kind of changes them. Responsibilities are different. You feel like all eyes are on you. So I'm not sure if that's a good idea right now but he continues to score and he scored his 30th goal. And uh, when you think about Rangers having scored 30 before the age of 30, uh, I happen to be part of the four. Uh, the others are uh, Steve Vickers, who's a teammate and also Donnie Murdoch. So I'm glad to be part of that group along with Chris Kreider. But are you seeing anything different? Because he's just a lot more consistent now. Are you seeing a different hop in his step? You know, when you're seeing him at the rink, is he different? Is he because he, he's the type of guy that's put a lot of pressure on him to perform?
1: I definitely think he has evolved into a different player this season, not only just in the way he plays on the ice, but in the way he carries himself. In general, I think he really has come to terms with who he is and the confidence level that he has in himself and what he can bring to this team. And it's just completely showing on the ice. I mean, in every aspect, I think personally, the Rangers, would not be where they are right now at this point of the season without Chris Kreider. I think that he has been a bit of an X factor for them. I mean, who would have guessed that Chris Kreider would be going goal for goal with Alex Ovechkin for the NHL lead at the halfway part of his 10th season in the NHL? I mean, he's... 30 going on 31. And he really has evolved into, I guess, almost his finished product as as an NHL hockey player. And I think that it's great for him. It's great for the Rangers. Like I said, the Rangers just would not be in the current situation that they are without Kreider playing the way that he has been this season, for sure.
0: You know, as a writer, you're at these games and you're paying attention to the game because you're writing. Are you still when you're watching the game, are you still kind of a fan? Do you kind of <laughs> jump up and Never.
4: Uh, celebrate Ron, goals? <laughs> Run. <laughs> no there's
0: cheering
1: no cheering in the press box. In the press box. <laughs> <laughs> There is absolutely no cheering in the press box ever, 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 ever. I root for everybody on the ice to have fun for a short game and uh, good quotes. That's what I root for every game.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow, your nose is growing.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: being completely honest, but I mean, let's let us talk about that. Most recent Kings, a shootout win three to two win another come from behind victory. This Rangers team, you just can never count them out. And I think that's the mentality that they adapted and they say it every time we ask them about it post game about what allows them to be so resilient and they always point to the mindset of the team and they did it again come back down from a two to one deficit Chris Kreider, like you said, scores his 30th goal and then the shootout. I mean, let's not forget that this was coming against Jonathan Quick of all goalies. And he looked like his vintage self in net that night. And he was really putting on a show, really keeping the Kings in it. And then Adam Fox comes down and just delivers a move that twisted Jonathan Quick up like a pretzel. Truly something I don't think I've ever seen, whether it was in person or on television, effortlessly. And the best part about this entire thing is that it was Adam Fox's first ever NHL shootout attempt, something that he said he hasn't done since his junior days with the USA hockey development program. So, and honestly, post game, you could almost tell that he was a little bit surprised with himself, which is kind of funny coming from a Norris Trophy reigning, Norris Trophy winning defenseman. So it was definitely a different side of Fox that we haven't seen. And Galan actually said that earlier. Earlier in the season, he had asked Fox if he was comfortable going in a shootout. And Fox said, no, Fox was like, I don't that's you know, it's not my it's not my thing. It's not something I like to do. But Gallant was like, I think he should be one of our top shooters, which why? Why wouldn't he be one of your top shooters? So it was it was great to see Adam Fox do what he did.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad that Coach Gallant decided to put him on the spot because coaches see things. They see things in practice, right? Because, you know, they're having little fun shootouts against the goaltenders And the coaches are paying attention to see who's doing what in practice without them knowing that they're watching. So obviously, they could see something in Adam Fox in practice that he's capable of doing it. And what's funny when he says that he's not comfortable with it, there are other players that I know that are goal scorers that can score goals, score a lot of goals, like Wayne Gretzky, Yarmir Yager, guys like that, did not like the shootout. For whatever reason, they did not like it. I don't know if it was just everything stops and you just have to go try to score one on one because during the game, they don't mind it. I mean, Gretz loves the breakaway, so does Yarger. And they're tough to play against. But when it comes to a shootout, there's something about it that certain players don't like it. You
2: guys, you kind of wish that, you know, the scheduling, you thought it might work out because the Islanders played the Kings Thursday at UBS. I actually might be at that one. So I might get two Kings games in a week. But you kind of wish that it was quick Friday versus Igor. Quick being the guy that took down Henrik in the Stanley Cup finals. You kind of wish Henrik got to watch Igor be quick and kind of get revenge. But unfortunately, it worked out Monday, Thursday instead of Thursday, Friday. And I would imagine they save Igor for Friday. You don't want Georgiev starting to honor Henrik and they lose a two. Uh, you don't want that happening in front of fans that paid $400 to send the nosebleeds.
0: Am I right, Molly? Oh,
1: well, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything to that. <laughs> you can have, you can have that opinion. Ron can. <laughs> uh, I can.
0: Let me. Let, here's my thought on that. If uh, Georgiev goes in net and he doesn't perform as well, they lose. Then everyone's going to be chanting Henrik, the king, Henrik, Henrik, <laughs> Henrik, right? Which could be a good thing. Now, the flip side of that, Igor goes in net, And then now he's playing for a shadow. And there's five minutes left to go in the game. And we're honoring Henrik, but we're hearing Igor, Igor and the fans. <laughs> So what would that mean to Henrik while we're honoring him? So that's just kind of the flip side of stuff. Well,
1: I actually saw on Twitter, uh, our friend of the program, Valley, right? Yes. yes, Steve Valaket was suggesting to Rangers fans on Twitter that during the game, even if whether it's Georgie or and whoever makes a save to, to chant Henrik one more time at the Garden, just to have one more, you know, good Henrik chant to, to commemorate him. On Friday night, do you think that would be a good idea, Ron?
0: You know, Steve is a friend of mine, and occasionally comes up with a good idea. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him being a goaltender, and of course, he's he loves Henry because he he played alongside him. But I love that idea. That that would be a good idea, Molly. Why don't you get us started from the press <laughs>
1: box? Shut up, Ron.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that handsome son of a gun, Steve uh, with the great idea. So, Rangers fans, listen to the show. If you're going on Friday. Henrik chants only. You're going to take a night off from Igor and just chant Henrik one final time and then put it to rest. Then the focus is on the Rangers trying to win the Stanley Cup. Well, we will hear clips from that Henrik interview I did back at the uh, ALS charity event. We'll play a clip of that later in the show. We'll have Larry Brooks later in the show talk about his experience covering Henrik, who he deemed the king. He gave him the nickname The King. And coming up next, we'll have a teammate of Henrik as we go Henrik across the board here on up in the blue seats. And that would be Rupper Mike Rupp. He's going to join up in the blue seats next.
0: Here we go, Rupp and Orr. And now it's the takedown. And that is a good scrap. And that's backhand shot by Rupp. Rebound. Score! Mike Rupp is able to backhand one another goal. A couple of backhanders find the back of the net. Jansen and Rupp dropped their gloves already. I'll say this for Mike Rupp, and we know this from being around him, he is a big man. Yeah. And Rupp goes to the net. he scores!
3: And he took a hit to make a playoff.
0: And then Rupp went into Brodeur, and there's going to yeah. be a crowd in Bedlam here. And then Rupp, shot, he scores! Mike Rupp with a jogger-like salute. So now what, are, what do we got here? A little scrap between
3: Paul Dissonnette and Rupp. Scores! with it
4: rough with a shot he
0: scores that montage you heard was courtesy of fox sports msg abc and nbc now time for our special guest
1: we have another great guest this week. He played 68 games with the Rangers and was part of that 2011-12 team that finished the regular season in first place in the Eastern Conference, won the Atlantic Division title, and made it to the Conference Finals. He played for five other NHL teams over 11 years. He was also a Danbury trasher as well, and we'll have to get into that. Now you can find him serving as an analyst on NHL Network. So please welcome Mike Rupp. Mike, how are you? you thanks so much for joining us.
5: I'm doing well. Hopefully you guys are doing, doing good too. And, um... Thanks for having
1: me on. Yeah, absolutely. To start, Mike, obviously we've dedicated a bulk of this episode to Henrik Lundqvist. You actually had an opportunity to sit down with him for an interview that will be shown on NHL Network Thursday and Friday. The one thing I want to know is not what he said in the interview, but just what were your impressions of how he is handling this big day in general? He's always seemed so comfortable in the limelight, but this is obviously going to be an emotional night for him.
5: Yeah, I mean, Hanky, you, you nailed it. He seems always comfortable being in the spotlight, being that guy. I, I I guess from talking to him, I actually thought that he was, he's very humbled by it, you know, and this is something that it's almost like when he, we first started speaking on it, it's almost, there's, it may be hard for a lot of people. We, we see his greatness, uh, what he's brought to the New York Rangers over the years, but it's almost like this, I can't believe this is happening kind of feel. You know what I mean? And I think that's awesome. I think that that's amazing. That shows how Hank is kind of salt of the earth type guy, and and you don't always think that when you see the you know the GQ model, the King Henrik, and all those things. So. Um, I, I feel like from talking to him, he was just like, man, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward. I don't really know what to expect. I think it's going to get emotional and you know, it's going to be a huge night at MSG. That's for sure.
1: I have no doubt it's going to be an emotional night, but this next question is pretty simple. What was it like to play in front of a guy like Henrik?
5: Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, anytime I've been fortunate in my career to um, play in front of some really great goaltenders. I played in front of Marty Hanky, Hankey, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, and all three of them were completely different. They they approached the game completely different, but they're all elite. One, of, uh, you know, all three are all time best. All three, in my opinion, are Hall of Famers. So, you know, I, I find that Hankey was uh, he had this fieriness to him that, again, I don't think from playing against him, I knew he had the fieriness as far as he's competitive on the ice. Never gives up on plays. He's prepared every every single game. But I just remember playing for the Rangers and. You know, we have situations or games where maybe we're winning for nothing and late in the game, the other team gets a goal. You know, we come off the ice, music's playing, everyone's having a good time. And we hear someone in the in the bathroom smashing a paper towel dispenser and it's Hanky because he let that goal in. And, and it was like, you know, and I, I I like that about him because nobody's perfect, but he strives for for perfection. So he wasn't happy about you know, letting that up. And, you know, there's, there's times where I just found that his fieryness, I think is something that really separated him from a lot of other guys. And, um, you know, I thought that that was, that was awesome is, um, you know, cause everybody's, everybody's different and uh, every goaltender approaches that position differently. I will say it was, it was really unique when I first got there on game days, a lot of times, you know, you don't, necessarily speak to goaltenders some guys want to speak and to be laid back I, I remember one of my first days there uh you know the medical trainer Jim Ramsey said to me hey uh I was kind of asking and he's like no just you act like Hanky's not there so I remember you'd walk in a room and it felt weird because you're like you walk in the room the morning of the game and you're like you're like hey you know hey step hey you know Danny G like what you know then you just ignore it the fact that Hank's standing right there. and uh, But but he was so laser focused all the time. And I think you saw that in his play. The guy was dialed in. He had his routine and uh, it served him really well.
0: Your role in the NHL was a, uh, we'll just call it a power forward, big, strong guy. And uh, recently I've lost a friend and the NHL has lost a good man who's an ambassador. Uh, although this is a Rangers show, we still discuss the Islanders and we lost Clark Gillies. What did Clark Gillies mean to you growing up and watching him?
5: Yeah, you know what? To to be frank, where I grew up in in Cleveland, I I wasn't a great hockey historian, but I did learn real quick. And in that time growing up in the 80s, I knew who the New York Islanders were and I knew who the Edmonton Oilers were. But I'd actually say probably in the last, since I've been done playing, and getting on this side and, and I've learned more and more and I've talked to people that have been around and like guys like you dudes that have had relationships with these guys. And the stories I hear about Clark Gillies is, is unbelievable. And the one thing that kind of stood out to me and some of the stories, and I love those old war stories was that this guy was as tough as they come. And it, it wasn't something that he had to do all the time because he could play and he was a great player. He's a Hall of Famer, but the the fact of the matter that I I kind of learned hearing some of these stories come out is like when he decided it was time to lay down the law, he could lay it down against anybody. And uh, so, you know, you saw, and then you start hearing all the stories and Unfortunately, it's you hear it now with his with his passing. It's like you know you don't want to learn those things in in that situation. But man, how involved in the community! What a great pillar he was on the ice for the New York Islanders. But more importantly, is his influence off the ice, man. And I'll tell you what I think. You know, as a player, everybody has goals and aspirations of what they want to be on the ice. I think any player would rather trade that in to be remembered. Any even a a slither of of the way that Clark Gillies was remembered. So I'm still learning more and more about him, and uh, you know condolences to to you and all of his family and friends and loved ones man this is uh the hockey world lost a good one
1: you played uh 14 games at the danbury trashers for our listeners who haven't seen the Untold Crimes and Penalties Netflix documentary. I highly suggest it. I'm curious, did you watch it, Mike? And do you have any more crazy memories that came flooding back while you were watching it?
5: I did watch it. And it was kind of funny because all that that storyline, all those things that happened, that was during the lockout in 05, right? So that happened. And then not really a spoiler, but the team became defunct because they got in some... Some hot water, to say the least. But so things were kind of just quiet. And it's just like the story just kind of died. And so over the years, I mean, where I saw stuff, I stayed in contact with some of the guys. We were telling stories, but it wasn't really known. And I think a lot of people—that's the biggest thing I took from this. People are like, how did we not know that this this happened or this was going on? I know back in 2014, somewhere right is right when I got traded actually from the Rangers to the Minnesota Wild. The Wild PR department came to me and they're like, "Hey, um, ESPN Magazine wants to do a story on on the Danbury Trashers." And I started thinking that no one's really done it up to that point. So I remember I, I was thinking, uh, I said to the PR department, "I'm like, hey, um, is the Galante family participating in this uh, story?" You know, that was the owner of the, of the Danbury Trashers team. And they're like, "No, this is just." kind of an independent uh, thing i'm like no i'm good <laughs> i'm like i'm good and uh so uh I, you know no one really talked about it and then i got these phone calls it was about two years ago it was right before the pandemic started and uh i got these this phone call and this guy was like yeah i'm a producer from netflix uh we're doing these sports documentaries we don't know if you're interested in doing this i asked the same questions Is the galante family participating yeah they are they've been very uh, forthcoming with things and they're going to be involved in this so I reached out to them to confirm that. They said, uh, yeah, they are, and and here we are, and, and to kind of got into it. I Yeah, I watched it just live with everybody else. I had no spoilers, no sneak peeks. I didn't even know. I mean, I know I sat down and did an interview. I didn't know if I'd be in at all or a lot or a little bit. I, did, I didn't know anything. So I remember watching it, and I think one of the things that kind of uh, was uh, funny for me is that you know, you're watching the storyline, and there's a lot of different ways this story was weaved together. With the, the NHL lockout, they start talking about the one scene was uh, Jimmy Galante, the dad, saying to the son, who was the 18-year-old general manager, go get me, a, you know, an effing goal scorer. And uh, so they cut away, and they talk, you know, talk about the NHL lockout. And I'm like, oh, so they? I wonder who – I'm like thinking to myself, I, I move forward on the couch. I'm like, I wonder who they're talking about. I'm like, this is <laughs> – I'm like, this is great. I'm like, they I don't know this part of the story. And some of the stuff I, I was watching, I didn't know in, in the documentary. So I'm like, I wonder who they're trying to get and they couldn't get. And all of a sudden they show my mug on there. I'm like, <laughs> oh,
1: so you're oh, talking me. about it.
5: Yeah, you're talking about a goal score. Uh, and you thought about me. So my phone kind of blew up there for a while with former uh, teammates uh, in the NHL and, and even guys that are currently playing be like, aha, like just die and laugh. And so, but listen, I'll tell you what, it was a, it, it was a great story. It needed to be told. The family treated all of its players like absolute gold you know and the one thing i think when you're watching it and they do such a good job with netflix is like you're almost it's one of those shows i always find that anything i watch when you're supposed to feel a certain way but the writing of something or the way things are put together makes you feel differently that that's good writing so like you're supposed to like not like these guys are supposed to be bad guys like that's how it's perceived here right it's supposed to be the mob involved with kind of like a slap shot mentality in hockey but it makes them so endearing and it's so accurate everybody loved them they loved everybody and, and i think that people just i mean it's legendary status now for aj galante and uh, everybody wants the trashers to come back
2: upper last one for you and it's good to have a uh, bald guest on the show we, i feel like most <laughs> of our guests have hair so it's <laughs> nice to see uh, one of one of us on here uh your first stanley cup playoff goal ends up being a you know, Stanley Cup clinching goal in 2003 with the Devils. Like, that's unheard of. It's the first time it's ever happened. What did that mean to your career? And then what did it mean, you know, trying to take down those Devils when you're a Ranger and coming so close to doing so towards the end of your career?
5: Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. I mean, early on, you know, I was a black ace for three rounds of the playoffs, got to travel with the team in 03, you know, again, as a rookie that I was just trying to stay out of the way trying and practice I was practicing like a fifth line with a couple other guys geographically with the finals being in Anaheim that's why I got to travel with them so I didn't think anything of it and then all of a sudden you know I'm doing the math in my head I gotta probably have about five injuries for me to get in so it's probably not gonna happen and then all of a sudden I remember before game four the finals Pat Burns calls me aside and he just says uh you're you're in you know go ahead and get dressed and it was great to kind of keep me on my toes like that or keep me off base because I didn't have time to think got in there and played a few games and you know that happened and it was it was crazy I wasn't able to really enjoy it at that time per se I mean that summer obviously getting the cup was awesome and I was able to enjoy that but I mean the next training camp I I still didn't carve out my niche in the NHL yet so I wasn't a full-time NHLer so I had to like work at that so it took time I I find you know when I went to the Rangers because I ended up coming back to New Jersey on a second stint and uh so when I went to the Rangers, it was a little bit of a struggle for me because in my head I had guys on the team that I've won the cup with, I was still friends with, I'm still friends with today but it was really important to me in the style that I had to play that I wanted the Ranger fans and the Ranger players to know I have no friends on that team now when we get on the ice and I probably overcompensated to some degree I mean I remember shoving Marty Berdour in the Eastern Conference finals and I think I probably had about four or five fights against the Devils in in that year we had the big line brawl the the one time two against them so I felt like it was like I had to show them I'm with you guys like I'm there's no friends here and you know I thought it was it was something that you know our Our Ranger team was, you know, Molly said on on set here, listen, we were that devil's team couldn't compete with us all season long. Like we were so much better than them. and, And really most of the Eastern Conference, if not all, for whatever reason, man, we just ran out of gas last 10 games of the regular season. And then we get in the playoffs. I think we had Ottawa first round. I think we went seven games. I think we went seven games against Washington in the second round. And we were pooped. Like we, had, we were done. Like we had no and we had nothing. So we get in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Devils and they were just ramping it up at the right time. So it was it was a tough pill to swallow. But I remember having those conversations the first time when I went to play against the Devils uh, wearing a blue shirt, I called my close buddy, Zach Parisi, and I was talking to him I'm like, hey, buddy, listen, all I'm going to say is like, you know, I love you like a little brother, but if your head's down, man, I got to hit you. And he's like, no, I understand. I'm like, so I'm just telling you now, so let's not make this weird. And he's like, no, I got it. So it, it was fine. But it was uh, I love my time in New York. It wasn't uh, that long, but I, I, I'm i just absolutely honored to be able to put that shirt on and play at MSG.
1: Well, this was great. Don't forget, you can watch Mike sit down with Henrik Lundqvist on NHL Now and NHL Tonight, Thursday and Friday, beginning at 4 p.m. each day ahead of his retirement ceremony. You can also follow Mike on Twitter at rupper 17 Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll have to have you on again soon.
5: Yeah, anytime you guys want, and everybody enjoy Hanky's night. It's going to be a good one.
1: Hockey Hall of Fame, Rangers beat writer at The Post, Larry Brooks.
4: I I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes.
1: Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face?
4: (laughs) It was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. (laughs) Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. Career. he blames or
2: gives credit to you for that nickname so there you go <laughs> yeah okay well lara i'm in agreement with
4: you no
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay it was great to get to know he, and he became part of my journey you know he was there every day
4: one year the islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. <laughs> you know, guys were walking around in their bathrooms. Like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All
5: right.
1: Can
4: we ask Larry a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two part answer. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> yes. Welcome back to the show, Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories in the New York Post at NewYorkPost.com and by subscribing to PostSports Plus. What better man to talk to in the days leading up to Henrik Lunquister's Jersey retirement night than the one who dubbed number 30 the king himself. I want you to think back to the time you first wrote it, Larry. What was going through your mind? Do you remember what Henrik did that game? How did that come to be?
4: Well, I do, and and I actually, I think giving him that nickname is the coolest thing that I've ever done in my career. Really, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not it's not equivalent to breaking a story, but it, it you know, it's it's kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. i think
1: it, so too. <laughs> yeah, you
4: know, it's just become synonymous with him. So you know, it's it's a nice connection to have with Hank. I remember that there was something so special about him that was so apparent so early. And the garden responded to him as if he were a rock star. And he responded in kind, and and I, you know, and here was this goaltender from Sweden, and and I think the first thing I actually called him was King Henrik of Sweden, or, or something like that. I don't I don't think it was quite the king. I think I just calling him King Henrik and King Henrik of Sweden. And I and I checked, and there had been a King Henrik of Sweden, although I'm not sure what the the historical meaning of that king was. And so I just wrote, he's he's King Henrik of Sweden. It caught it. It was for a, it took a while for other people to latch on. I remember I was, you know, the king, king of his crease, you know, the king of his castle, you know, all that. And then it just became the king. And but again, it was just he was unique. He was so distinct in his bearing. And you knew that after training camp and a couple of games, he he was going to be an all star goalie. And that's unique in it. In and of itself. So it was, uh, you know, it was was a game at home early in the season. And, and I remember he was, you know, he came out, he was, he was announced as the first star of the game, and he did a, a lap around the rink. With his up, he was a rock star and he embraced it. You know, he talked about how cool it was for him to hear chants of his name. And he, he couldn't believe that people were chanting his name. You know, this, this guy from Sweden who had just come over. So it was an exciting time. It, it was. And, and to cover him from the first game of his career to the last was, was uh, as rewarding an experience as I've had as a writer.
1: This may be a tough question, but if you had to pick one, what would your favorite personal memory be with Henrik Lundqvist?
4: What I take from my relationship with with Hank, you know, professionally. It- was how accommodating he always was, how he was always willing to talk after games, after losses, and was was willing to spend a fair amount of time at practice with you. So,
0: Larry, on, on Friday, we're going to honor Henrik. It's going to be a beautiful evening, a lot of memories, and the family and friends and the fans getting together. That's Friday evening. On Saturday, on a different note, we're going to be honoring someone else in a different way and that's a friend of mine and i'm sure he's been a friend to you also and that's clark gillies a uh, very sad happened out of nowhere can you share with us your thoughts about clark gillies
4: well my my thoughts about gillies were as as clark is a as a as a friend because as i've written and, and we've talked about here when i started it was just completely different you know you were part of the traveling party when when you covered the team and you, and you traveled with them on the commercial flights, you traveled. like, you know we went on the the Islander bus to and from games. It was it was just that's the way it was. I, I don't think the Islanders were particularly unique. Maybe they were, but you know you'd also go out after the games with the guys and you go drinking with guys and on Saturday nights when when they played at home and, and back then the post did not have a Sunday paper, so when they played at home on Saturday nights, it was kind of like okay, I've got to go down to the locker room to get quotes because I'm writing for Monday, but I can get to that saloon pretty quick. <laughs> right, you know. So, and, you know, on Saturday nights, there'll be a whole group of guys and generally the same guys and with their wives and, or, and, or, you know, girlfriends at the time, most were married fairly young. And, you know, I would, you know, I would be there with, with my, you know, girlfriend slash, who became fiance, who became my wife. And, and so my, my memories of Clark are just, You know this incredibly larger-than-life personality with this great smile, this great laugh—the life of the party. Uh, You know, just a a generous, generous person who drew you to him. And I'm talking about off the ice, on the ice, he was a force. And we know, we know the great players. We know the, you know, we we know the elite players on that Islander team. But they would not have won without Clark Gillies. There's no question about that. But um, I just think of him as 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 this friendly, friendly guy, charitable heart, big heart, um, who was uh, always had a smile, always was laughing and uh, was always great company. And I'm, and I'm sure, Ronnie, you have the same. Uh, yes. Well, I got to compete hard against
0: him, And I always had a lot of respect for him for how he played the game. He would occasionally get angry and have to fight someone. But it was for a good reason. He wasn't a guy that was dirty and chippy. Uh, But he just played hard. And like you just said, I don't think they would have won all those Stanley Cups without Mr. Islander. And I think it's fair to say he's Mr. Islander. And I got to know him later on being part of what he would do for the community. And he had a heart for kids. That's why this giant of a man was so tough and could be so mean. But he was he really cared about people and cared about kids. So I spent a lot of time with him at his uh, foundation, just helping others. So I've gotten to know him. He was a good friend. And, of course, he was on the show. We got to talk to him a little bit uh, not long ago last year. Uh, I've really gotten to admire the man. And that's usually what happens at the end of your career. You play against these guys that you you almost have to dislike because you got to play hard against them. And then you get to know them between him and Bossy and, and – Brian Trotty, I got to know all these guys. And uh, so it was a pleasure to know him. That's why I think we're all a little shocked that it happened so quickly. And I think that's who he was. He gave a lot of himself, but a part of him was a private man. So he kept his illness to himself. So that's why it's been a little bit of a shock to us. So you
4: know what, too, Ronnie, what was interesting about him was there was also there was a, a sensitivity and a vulnerability about him. Remember, he was the captain. When you guys took them out in 79 in in that series, and he had a very tough series. I mean, you made it very, very tough on them. And and Bossy didn't have much of a series. I mean, you you, you know, you took them out. You know, you had 91 points. I remember they had 116. They finished first overall. They were a powerhouse team. But they weren't quite there because they didn't have the second center. So you were able to shut them down. But there were incidents in that series where Clark needed to respond and just didn't quite respond. And the captaincy weighed on him. And so after that season, he relinquished the captaincy. He said, You know what? I I don't think we're I think we I think we're being held back, you know, in so many words, by me being captain. I think it's not helping me. I think it's not helping the team. And so he stepped back and relinquished the captaincy. And then Dennis Potvan became the captain and they won their four cups. And so you know, it's it's not often you'll see a player with, with that kind of self awareness, that kind of big view, to say, "Hey, listen, I'm I i do not think I should be the captain anymore. I think I think we need someone else." And and then freed from that, he was of course the massive force, and especially in '80, in taking on Terry O'Reilly. And he didn't like to talk about it. I and mean, he didn't like to talk about the fights with O'Reilly, never wanted to talk about the fight with Hospedar. didn't really enjoy talking about his fights with Dave Schultz. It was part of, you know, it, it was something that was required from him. But, it, you know, the, the fighting was something he just never wanted to talk about. He, he didn't glory in it. You know, he did it. He knew what he needed to do. In 1980, he went out and did it. And, you know, that was the springboard, obviously, to, to 19 straight series wins. So he he was a special, a special man, and he was a special player on a special team.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that, because I didn't know that story about him captain and deciding that uh, someone else needed to be captain so he can be himself. Having said that, that leads me into my next question. And we <laughs> keep talking about this. The New York Rangers don't have a captain. And Chris Kreider keeps performing at a high level. Of course, he's scoring goals, but he's performing – He's consistent. And so my question to you, do you think now Chris Kreider could be the man who could be the next captain of the New York Rangers?
4: I don't think they're going in that direction. I do I think that Chris could be the captain. Yes, I've thought that for two or three years. I, I don't think they're going in that direction. And I'm not sure they're going to name a captain next year. I, I think, you know, this six captain approach has has been embraced by not only the six guys, but by the team and and i think the organization to a to a certain extent i'm i'm not sure that you fix what's not broken and leadership doesn't seem to be an area to me that the rangers would have any concerns about
1: well larry thanks for your time as always and we'll chat again next week
4: thanks molly <laughs>
0: On the attempt by Wagner, down low, saved by Lundqvist, and he made another one. on Brady Kachuk. Oh man, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> You—that's that, a wide open net. Giveaway. shoots.
1: save. Rebound. Save. What a save by Lundqvist. Unbelievable.
0: You just yeah. when you think, yeah, how is he going to make this save? Look at this stick. Oh my yeah. gosh, what a save.
2: That montage you heard was courtesy of NBC, MSG, and Fox Sports. And now, it's time for Jake Brown sit down with Henrik Lundqvist. Well, first off, good to have you, Henrik. Uh, how's the broadcast life, treating You, you know, Ron Du Gay host a Rangers show. You're in the seat next to Valley now. How does it's, it feel?
3: Oh, it's been great. Um, known Valley for so many years, and even John, probably 15 years. I really enjoy it. They're super relaxed, and they're having a lot of fun. And for me, right now, it's in life. And, it's all about having fun so I I really enjoy it Uh,
2: I need your message to Brooksy Brooksy's covered you for so many years Hall of Fame writer is on our show every week we'll love your thoughts on Brooksy over these years
3: yeah it was great to get to know Brooksy and he became part of my journey you know he was there every day for 15 years and I've told him that too it was uh, I have a lot of respect for him he knows so much about the game and uh, like I said, it was part of my journey a little bit to see him at the rink every day and talk about the game and what was going on, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So it was fun working because it becomes a working relationship, obviously, when he's there so much and he's part of, you know, part of what we do day to day. Your
2: number. January going up. How special is that? Is it, you got tear jerkers thinking about it.
3: Uh, how special is that day going to be? I think it's hard to take in. Uh, you have moments, but it's going to be extremely special for so many reasons. Obviously, it's a huge honor. Um, and just to be amongst all those players that hang there already. And, and the Rangers has been so much to me throughout my career. And then also to have my closest friends and family in the building. And then I never had that throughout my career because everybody's busy and pretty far for them but now I have a lot of Swedes coming over to share this extremely special moment so I I can't wait it's gonna be a day to remember for me and my family and and, um, I'm so so proud and grateful are you comfortable where you're
2: at now like do you miss the game at all do you is the pressure of not talking to the media after you know the losing sleep after a big loss? Are you over with that, or do you miss it at
3: all? No, I, of course. When when the you know win big games and,
1: and
3: it's always uh, that's a feeling that I will miss, uh, and I think you'll always miss that. But there's so many fun things going on in my life right now. I'm ready to move forward, and I can't think about you know what if or this is it now and, and and um it's more i just feel appreciation for what i experienced more than you know thinking about anything else so it makes me smile thinking back of all the memories and friendships i created and um, but you know i'm staying connected to the game through msg network talk about the rangers and uh i enjoy that and do you like being called the king uh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I've always been laughing about that. You know, it's uh, happened pretty quickly. I thought it would go away, but it didn't. But uh, yeah, I try not to take it too seriously. It's a fun thing that happened early on, probably thanks to Brooksy, but um, it's been a fun ride.
0: He's a blessing. He's a gift from, uh, from above.
2: All right, Ronnie, that wraps up episode 74, the Vitaly Craftsop edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from
0: the New York Post. Another good show. Uh, thank you to Jake and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Uh, Jake, I can't let you go without getting some feedback from you because you went to the game against the LA Kings and you witnessed an awesome game. It went into overtime, but what was it like for you and Andrew to be at that game? Oh, it was fun.
2: They actually, the Jumbotron caught me on. Off guard. It must have been a segment where they find people who are staring at their phones and not paying attention. And I was looking at my phone and Hartz is like, Look, look. And it's me up there and me and him. And I look just dazed and confused. Very embarrassing. Me and Hartz figured it was someone we know because he knows camera people. I know everybody there that they were just doing that as a joke. And uh, everyone was laughing at me. So great game. But once again, I became a laughing stock as Hartz, you can confirm.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. And the best
2: part about it is I was able to grab a picture of of Jake looking like a complete buffoon. So that everyone can see. So, yeah, mission accomplished.
0: You could see Hart's laughing as he took the picture. You see him smiling like, wow, this is going to be hilarious. Oh, the pain. And for those who can see us on video, Jake just got back from Atlantic City and he's wearing his ooh la la shirt. <laughs> what, what's the story behind that shirt? Well,
2: yes, I was at the Ocean Casino, beautiful resort right on the water. Ron, you got to go. I'll, we'll all go maybe this summer. It's, it's a it's a good time. Hit the beach, beach party. But, yeah, another, another fantastic thrift shop purchase by me here I think it was like 20 bucks and as soon as I saw it I was like that reeks of Jake it's quite flashy as Molly rolls her eyes in the distance
0: yeah no it's it's made for tv
2: (laughs) it is made for the up in the blue seats podcast well for Andrew Hart it's number 10 Ron DeGay Molly Walker Jake Brown Ron we're back for one more week before we get a little week hiatus before the all-star weekend and Molly will be wearing shirts like this in Vegas She'll be styling and profiling on the Vegas Strip, covering the Rangers side of things for the New York Post as Chris Kreider and Adam Fox will play in the All-Star Weekend. Thanks, everybody, for sporting up in the blue seats. Enjoy the Henrik Ceremony. Enjoy this final week of the first half of Ranger games, and we'll wrap up this first half next week. Stay safe, folks.
0: But Molly, I'm going to throw something out of left field. Something to think about. Oh, boy.